What's up, everybody? Man, we got some energy in here tonight. That's cool. Guys, I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us. Uh, it was a good time of worship, and I always love uh, entering into worship with you guys. I'm also excited to be here and give you guys the second part of our three-week sermon series titled Words. Last week, Pastor Daniel talked about the power of words, and he talked about how sometimes there are some silent killers and some things that we uh, take for granted that often do a lot of damage. He gave the example of washing your hands, how doctors had no idea what that did, how many people it killed, and once they found out that small thing, they were able to do it and change it and bring life, right? So tonight, we're going to talk about speaking life and what that means and how our words have the power to bring life, how we serve a God who brings life, and through him, we can do the same. So tonight, we're going to talk about some of those silent killers, and we're going to make ourselves aware of it. So I just want to encourage you guys to open up your hearts tonight and be ready to just kind of listen and, and see where you can improve. When I was coming up with this sermon and, and doing some research and studying, I found that I was uh, a little convicted of a lot of things, that there were a few things in here where I was like, oh boy, like I need to be more aware of myself. So I want you guys to know that tonight I'm here to grow with you guys. I'm here to learn. I'm here to get a lot of out of this sermon. So together we're going to grow as a body of Christ. Amen? Let's do it. I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Jesus, we love you. Father, we just pray that you allow us to have open hearts and hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, allow us to see our weaknesses and be motivated, excited, and encouraged to grow in that. We love you, Father. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> cool. So here we go, guys. The first thing that we should be aware of is that we serve a God who uses words to literally bring life. So last week, Pastor Daniel talked about Genesis 1-1, and he said, let there be light. In, in Genesis 1-1, God says, let there be light. And just by those words, light came and power was moved, and things moved, and things became. In Mark 2, Jesus says to a man who's been paralyzed his whole life, he says, get up, take your mat, and go home. And in that, he stands, and he begins to move, he begins to walk, and people are amazed by the power just by Jesus speaking there was things that were being done, and life came from that. In Exodus 4, Jesus is talking to Moses, and he says, well, God's talking to Moses, and he says, throw your staff on the ground. And just by Jesus speaking that and claiming it, Moses threw his staff on the ground, and it turned into a snake. And then Jesus speaks again, and he says, pick up the snake by the tail. And already at this point, I'd be like, all right, God, I know what you can do. Like, that's good enough for me. I don't want to pick up the snake, right? <laughs> so Moses, in boldness, in faith, he bends down, he grabs the snake by the tail, and it turns back into a staff. So just by God speaking and power, things were done. Life came and went because God is powerful and his words are powerful. And I think it's amazing that through our relationship with Christ, we have that same power. Through our words, we have that same power to bring life. There's also a fourth story we're going to talk about in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel has a vision and in this vision, he's standing before a valley of dry bones. So just dead bones, a whole field of them. And God asks Ezekiel, he says, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel says, oh boy, I don't know. Only you know the answer to that, God. And he says, speak life into these bones. Speak into these bones. Tell them to live again. So Ezekiel says, and it's so cool, he says, by the word of God, be made new, be made whole. So the bones begin to shake in this vision. They begin to come together, and bodies are built. Flesh circles the bones, tendons, and it's full body standing before him. And then he says, but God, there's no life in these bodies. 
So he, is, he says, speak life, claim life into these bodies. So Ezekiel says, by the word of God, let there be life in these bodies, and air begins to fill their lungs. So I don't think that this vision is just something that happened once. I think it's a reflection of God's heart. I think it's something that God wants to see in us. He wants to see our dry bones, our areas in life, begin to be made new and made whole. And I think God also wants to teach us that we have the power to do that with other people in our lives through the words that we use. So let's take a little sidetrack, and we'll talk about, well, it's also important to notice first that we, we are making war against an enemy who brings death. Right? So the enemy will use words like, you're stupid, you're fat, it's your fault that your family is a mess, you'll never conquer this specific sin that you've been fighting for years, you're not good enough, you'll never accomplish the goals that you have set before you. And those are all tools of the enemy to bring death in our lives. So important to be aware of that and move in the encouragement and love that God has placed in us and not what the enemy is using against us. So let's take a little sidetrack. We'll talk about tattoos. Who's seen a pretty bad tattoo, right? So here's an example of a pretty rough tattoo. No regerts. Not quite right. Now here's a problem. This is stuck on this guy's arm forever now. I mean, th there's, there's an option of tattoo removal, which we'll talk about. And it's going to be really cool to see what the truth is behind that. Here's another option. Ooh. So I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what Harvey looks like, right? I've never met Harvey. But I'm pretty sure Harvey doesn't look like that. Okay? And, and even if he did, I'd probably nix the tattoo on my chest of Harvey. Right? I'd have, to take, I'd have to take a pass on that one. So here's an interesting thing about tattoos. They're permanent, right? But there's something called tattoo removal. So I thought, well, you can get tattoos removed. So let's see. What that's about. So I started looking into tattoo removal, and I found that tattoo removal is extremely expensive. It takes multiple sessions, and it's extremely painful. So after session and session of spending money and going through a bunch of pain, get this, it doesn't even completely go away. Depending on the tattoo, you'll get better results than others, but oftentimes, after all of that, it's just faded. Now let's imagine, let's apply this to the words that we use. What if the words that we used were tattooed on people every day? We would probably be a lot more careful of the words that we chose to use. We would probably realize at times that we're joking and giving people a hard time and think, man, if this was tattooed on somebody, I might change the words I'm using. And after months of them trying to forget it and move on, it's still faded. They still look at their heart, and they see some, some of this tattoo still on their heart. So tonight, we're going to answer two questions. First question is, what's wrong with showing people love by giving them a hard time, right? What's wrong with joking around with people, picking on people, roasting people, right? That's how, that's how we show love sometimes. Sometimes we have friendships where we just give each other a hard time, and there's no harm in it. We get along. We have a good time. So we're going to look into how that can be dangerous and maybe even effective ways of doing that out of a place of love and respect. Second question, how can I permanently remove words that have been tattooed on my heart? How can I take the things that people have said to me and permanently remove them? No more pain. 
No more noticing this thing that someone said to you and being insecure, self-conscious about it, but completely being free from it in Jesus' name. So tonight, to understand some of those silent killers, we're going to look into three separate things that we sometimes take for granted and don't realize the power that they have and don't realize the words that we're using. Those three things are gossip, complaining, and criticism. I'm already getting nervous because... Those things are hard to avoid at times, right? So let's get to gossip. It's so easy to say, oh, I don't, I don't gossip, right? I'm really good. I don't have drama. I stay away from drama. I try not to, like, gossip and talk about people. And then we try to justify it by when we are talking about people, we'll say, oh, it's cool. I, I would say it to them if they were here. If they were here, I'd say it to their face. It's no problem. But the fact of the matter is that what you're saying is negative talk, and the person isn't there. So therefore, you're talking negatively about someone who's not there behind their back, and that's gossip. And even if they were there and you did say it, that's still negative, that's still criticism, and that's still hurtful. And a lot of times, we'll notice when other people gossip, we'll say, see, I don't gossip, but boy, my friend, he can gossip, right? That guy can gossip. So the funny thing about that is that even in that moment, you're gossiping about that person, and also... An interesting thing about gossip, gossip is not only something you do with your mouth and the words you say, it's also something you do with your ears. Proverbs 17.4 says, wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. When that friend that you think gossips a lot is going on and talking, and you're just listening and entertaining the conversation, you're like, yeah, dang, that that sounds kind of rough, that sounds kind of true, yeah, that person does sound terrible, right? That's a form of entertaining and encouraging that gossip. So in that moment, you're participating in that gossip. So I want to encourage you guys to look out for times that you're gossiping, look out for times that others are gossiping, and instead of encouraging, find a moment to shut it down and switch it to a conversation of loving and encouragement. I'm going to talk about a friend of mine. His name's Shane. My buddy Shane has nothing bad to say about anybody. I can remember times that I was gossiping going on and on, and Shane just kind of sits there and looks at me and does, has no response. And it's not discouraging for me because in that moment, I'm encouraged to be like, you know, like if I'm trying to tell a bunch of jokes and nobody's laughing, in that moment, I'd be like, okay, I should probably stop telling these jokes because they're not landing, right? (laughs) So I stop. And just like that, when I'm gossiping and I see that no one's responding and that my buddy Shane's not responding, I realize, all right, this isn't good. And he motivates me to be an encourager to take what I'm saying that seems to be just annoying and and not beneficial to anyone and start to be a person of encouragement and love. It's so important that we find people in our lives like Shane, find people in our lives who can motivate us, encourage us to be lovers and encouragers. And it's also important that we prioritize our lives to be that Shane in other people's lives to motivate our hearts to not encourage gossip, not encourage it and and keep it going whenever somebody's doing it. Instead, take that as an opportunity and a platform to be an encouragement and a loving person. So we're going to move on to our second thing, complaining. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. When I read this, I was like, oh no, this isn't good. I'm like, okay, hold up. So, Jesus, you're saying, like, even when my brother's really getting on my nerves, no complaining, no arguing. Even whenever my sister's really bugging me, no complaining, no arguing. Even when my parents are asking me to do something that I really don't want to do, I don't even understand why they're asking me to do it, no complaining, no arguing. 
How about when I get up in the middle of the night and I stub my toe on the way to the bathroom? No. You tell me I can't complain about that, right? I can't argue with that circumstance. See, Jesus says, no, you can't. And I think the ability to do that comes with an intimacy with Christ. As we come to know Jesus, as we pray his fruits of the Spirit, we become patient and loving, we become joyful, we become encouragers, and in every circumstance, we can turn away from complaining and arguing, and we can connect with Jesus and be people of love and patience. It's really hard to do, right? So something else I've noticed, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you guys a story of when I went to Colorado. Now, this happened in both Colorado and Hawaii. So I get to Col Colorado. It was like the same situation, but different times, obviously. I went in two places at once. And when we get to Colorado, we went on a snowboarding trip. It was so awesome. I went with three other guys. When we get there, all the mountains, everybody's like, wow, look at these amazing mountains. It's so beautiful. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, it's all right. I mean, right? I'm like, yeah, it's cool, right? But it's, like, not that amazing. When I, when I Google it on, on the Internet, it looks a lot cooler, right? And then, like, I'm like, the snow on the side of the roads is, like, kind of black. That's kind of gross. So I started to complain about everything that was going on in this amazing place that I've never been. And I saw it kill the mood, like, totally just kill everybody's vibe of, like, having a great time and, and experiencing this new place. And I started to notice my relationship with them on that trip just kind of, they're like, dude, why are you killing the mood? Like, we're all having a good time. We're all loving this. And you're, like, complaining about it. So I noticed that that complaining was so negative, and those words were so hurtful to them. And if we can take moments like that and find the good, find the love, find the encouragement, find the positive things, we'll see our relationships around us begin to build and strengthen. So let's move on to that third thing, criticism. Matthew 7, 1-2 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be used to you. Boy, when I heard that, I was like, oh, no, man. I thought of all the times that I judged other people. I started thinking of all the times that I used hurtful words to somebody. When I was joking and I took it a little too far. And I thought of the measure I used in those moments. What measure did I use? So then I began to think, man, if I continue in this way, of using hurtful words, of being critical, what judgment is going to come on me? What measurement is going to be used on me? And that right there should motivate you to know Jesus, to know his fruits of the Spirit, and be a lover, be an encourager, and find every moment to bring that into other people's lives. Because we don't want that to happen. So let's talk about some way we criticize that we sometimes take for granted roasting, right? Giving people a hard time. So this brings us to our first question. What's wrong with using hurtful words when I, it's my way of showing love? So I know, I'm sure a lot of you guys have friendships where you guys give each other a hard time. You're like, boy, you ugly, right? <laughs> right? Like they, they show up with like a bad hair day and you're like, man, you got some whack hair, right? You are not looking good today. And everybody starts laughing. Everybody in the group is like laughing. Even the guy who's getting the, 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 you know, getting a hard time, he's laughing. Or maybe somebody walks in one day and 
maybe they, uh, you know, they got kind of like a big nose, like a big snout, you know. And everybody's like, boy, you got a big old nose. And everybody starts laughing. Everybody starts cutting up, right? And then even the guy with the big old nose is laughing. Right? So now let's switch our perspective. Let's say those people go home and they look in the mirror and they say, man, I am kind of ugly. Right? Or they look in the mirror and they say, man, I really do have a big nose. Right? So those things that we just said and those jokes that we just made, it seemed funny at the time. But from the perspective of them going home and looking at themselves in the mirror, that's a little less funny, and we start to notice the damage that it can have. Now, I'm not saying this to say that you can't cut up with your friends, you can't have a, a good time, because I have a great time. Me, John, and Connor, we work out all the time, and we mess with each other all day. But the only way that's, that's possible is if that relationship that you have is built on a foundation of encouragement and love in the first place, right? When you and your friends have built a relationship where you're pursuing Christ, where you're already showing each other the value you have in each other, then at that point, you guys have this level of trust and this level of humor where you can mess around with each other and give each other a hard time. But it's important to know that when that can be a problem is when we start assuming things for people. We start thinking that we're already there or they're super confident in something about them so we can give them a hard time about it. But when really, when we start assuming things of people, we start to realize that we shouldn't have assumed that and we were wrong and we start to see the damage that it does in their life. So I want to challenge you guys to have the wisdom, have the discernment to no notice your relationships, which ones are at a point where you have trust, you have encouragement already, that you can give each other a hard time. I want to encourage you guys to have the discernment to seek out those relationships and be careful which ones you do that with. But what's even better than that is taking every single opportunity to encourage and love others. Because when you do that, sure, a lot of the times, or maybe some of the times, people will be like, oh, thanks, man, I appreciate that. But let's think about this. In Proverbs 20, 25, it says, the right word at the right time is like a golden apple on a tray. So those times that people are like, oh, thanks, I appreciate it. But then there's times where people are like, wow, man, like you, you changed my life. Like that meant a lot to me. And that stuff can't happen if we're looking for every opportunity to give somebody a hard time to joke around with them because we're missing opportunities to encourage others and bring life into them. So I want to encourage you guys a prayer that you can pray is, God, would you give me today the words to say the right words at the right time to the right person? God, would you help me today to say the right words at the right time to the right person? When that's your motivation, when that's your purpose, you'll start to see the life that it brings and everyone around you. So I want to encourage you guys, let's tattoo words of encouragement on people. Let's tattoo loved across people's foreheads, beautiful across their arm, right? Per perfect across their arm. Let's take every opportunity to bring that life into people so that they can be encouraged and they can feel loved. Because that's the power that we have through Christ, through our relationship with him, through our closeness with Jesus. We can take the power that he has through his words that we've seen and do that same thing to the people around us. It's so important to know that no word on earth overpowers any word that you've ever been told. And God says that each and every one of you are perfect. Each and every one of you have your, your own uniqueness because of the un unique purpose that God has placed in your life. 
for the unique calling that God has placed in your life. And any word that you guys have been told, whether it's any example I've brought up, even if it's somebody you really trust and you really love like a family member, any hurtful word is not from God. Because God says that you're perfect, that God says you're wonderfully and beautifully made, and that word, that promise, overpowers anything that anyone has ever said to you. And that's the first step to removing those words that have been tattooed on your heart. Receive that promise from Jesus. Receive that promise from Jesus and know in your heart that you are beautiful, that you are perfect, that you're wonderfully made. And the second step to removing those hurtful words that have been permanently tattooed on your heart is to find a place of forgiveness for those people that have said that to you. As hard as it is, it's so important to forgive. Because every time they come up, every time you cross paths, every time you see a picture of them, that strife is going to come up in your heart. And it, that too is going to comp- continue to show itself again. So it's so important to find forgiveness in those people and fully forgive them. Because God's word overpowers anything you've ever been told.